Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. I was in a situation where uh, I was uh, at Leicester City, I wasn't in the team there Um, and then this opportunity came, Harry Bassett who was uh, manager at Leicester at the time, he came and said listen uh, Manchester City have rung up, they'd like you to go up on loan. Happy days for me, I, I said absolutely I'm off. Um, met Kevin and, and uh, Derek Fazakli, Arthur Cox. Uh, fantastic, absolutely, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think it was Carlo Nash played. I wasn't, I wasn't on the bench very often um, because the other guys got fit. But just, I mean, the, the situation there, the, the Carrington, um, as it well, I know it's changed a little bit now, but we still had a beautiful training ground. Uh, obviously, City were at Main Road then, um, so I'd go and watch the games on the Saturday afternoon. I, I, I absolutely loved it, and and to be fair, Kevin wanted to keep me. He came to me and said, "Listen, I'm going to try and take you uh, for good, you know, and have you part of the squad." And I, 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 I was delighted, but for one reason or another, I think Leicester wanted a few quid and they weren't prepared to pay it, and and it all died a death. But um, Wonderful football club, and then, and then I went back in a coaching capacity. Um, again, Kevin Keegan brought me in as goalkeeping coach, uh, and then obviously when Kevin left, Stuart Pearce. And uh, again, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. We moved into the city of Manchester then, and and um, wonderful football club, great supporters, and they deserve all the uh, all the glory they're getting at the moment. You mentioned then you, you rejoined as a goalkeeping coach and you was there under Stuart Pearce and there was that game when Stuart Pearce put David James up front. How much of that did you know at the time? And just explain to me what was going on then. Well, I didn't I didn't know. Uh, it was as simple as that. But obviously it was um, it was in terms of qualification for the for one of the UEFA places, I think, and, and, and other results were dependent. And we needed a win and uh, I think there was a couple of minutes to go and, and I don't, I, honestly, I didn't know anything about it, but I think he decided that uh, a bit of height and a wild card was uh, was the way forward. And um, I'm actually going to go to Notts Forest next year and work with Stu. I'm going to go and do the goalkeepers there. So uh, maybe I had to work on some heading with my goalkeepers as well. But uh, yeah, no, it was a bolt out of the blue. You also coached Joe Hart when he arrived at City. What did you think of him as a youngster? Well, I thought he was he was pretty awesome, to be honest with you. We um, we had a tip off that there was this good young kid at uh, at Shrewsbury Town, so I was dispatched about fifteen times to go down to the to the old Gay Meadow where they played, and and I watched him time and again. And, and from minute one, I really liked him. I mean, he was he was just sixteen, I think, when he got into the team. Uh, he was raw. He was six foot two. He could kick it box to box. He had personality. He had a smile on his face. He was talking to defenders, organising, and obviously he had some natural ability as well. So I went back and said, hey, "Listen, it's a complete no-brainer. Um, get him in." But then all of a sudden, you know, the asking price started going up, and you know, with add-ons and bits and bobs. Um, unfortunately, City paid it, and uh, I mean, obviously, I, I, I could see massive traits in him they had a chance and once he came in and we were training um, you know I sort of said to him one day I said listen mate you'll get 100 caps and he looked back at me, he had this big daft grin on his face and he looked back at me and he said no way I said I'm telling you mate you'll get 100 caps if you if you look after yourself and you do it right and I still think he will 
I, I think, you know, for me, he's still uh, far and away our best goalkeeper in England. Um, you know, it's up to other people now to step up to the plate and put him under a bit of pressure, but uh, I can see him getting 100 caps. Like Joe Hart, then, you also played for England. Now, what's the difference between how you coached with your club and your country? Um, um, not not too much. I mean, I was lucky to a certain extent. I, I didn't really, right back towards the early part of my career, I didn't really have a goalkeeping coach. So it was back in the days where the coach had come out with all the outfield players and there'd be two goalkeepers. And he'd say, listen, lads, take a few balls and go over in a corner, hit a few each other, and we'll give you a shout when we want to do some shooting and we want a game. So, you know, that's how clubs work back then. And I sort of went to see the manager at um, Southampton at the time. And I said, listen, you know, there's one or two goalkeeping coaches creeping into the game. I think, you know, it would help me. Uh, to be honest, I was I was bang average. I could I could have one great game and then I'd have three three poor ones or throw a couple of you know mistakes in. And I had no uh, consistency. So fortunately for me, um, the manager then Ian Bramford brought in a fellow called Mike Kelly, who was. Uh, went on to be the England goalkeeping coach under under Terry Venables for Euro 96. And he was freelancing. He was working at Sheffield United doing a bit of commentary. And we managed to get him in for a couple of days a week. And within six months, I, I would say he'd put 50% on my game. All of a sudden, he, he would explain to me the science of, look, this is what you should do, but this is why you should do it. And, and I'd go home and I was like football besotted and I'd sit and think and I think yeah you're, you're making sense to me mate and and then the, the harder you worked at the principles he was giving you hey presto the better you got and and within six months ten months I'd, I'd got into the England squad and although he won't accept it I've always said to him it was on on the back of Mike uh, you know if I'd never met Mike Kelly I don't think I'd have got in the England squad and I probably wouldn't have got me moved to Blackburn so um that's that's the esteem I hold him in. So he also became the England coach. And so, you know, it was pretty similar. I remember when I first got in the squad, Peter Bonetti was was coaching. It's all pretty much, listen, there's so many uh, coat hangers you can hang your clothes on, if you like. It's shot stopping, dealing with crosses, distribution, uh, uh, communication. And you, if you're working with a lad on a daily basis, you've just got to try and put something different on the coat hanger so he doesn't get bored with the same old stuff so you know that that's how I do it it's all of a theme but you just try and put a different a different tint on on it every day um, just so that people stay alive and don't you know don't switch off to the same sort of routine but the answer is it's all pretty similar to be honest for a goalkeeper then it's incredibly difficult into uh, into getting into the team when you know there's only one place how does a how does a goalkeeper go about getting into the team when when they're not number one well, you have to impress you have to impress the manager however way you can. So whether that's in training or in a reserve game, or sometimes even going out on loan. You know, I mean, I've seen lads. What well, Joe? I mean, Joe Hart went out on loan. We loaned him out to Tranmere. Uh, he went to Birmingham for a time. I think that was after I'd left. Um, you know, and and you go go away and and start ripping it up, and people are talking talking well about you and scouting you and saying, listen, the kid's playing really well. Then that's the way. You know, you've got to force an issue, and you you've got to wait, obviously, for the guy that's in charge, maybe to go through a sticky spell or or throw a couple in and mistakes in, and and then you know take your chance when it comes. But uh, that is the trouble with with being a goalkeeper, of course, is that. Um, you know, it's not like I'm a right back, but I can also play wide right. You can only play in goal, and so you have to wait your chance and be patient. But you, you know, you have to be doubly sure that when you get your chance, you're ready and you take it. 
Finally then, Tim, you, when you played for Leicester, can you remember when Sean Golter yeah. uh, scored on his backside? Uh, can you explain in your own words what happened? I can remember that. I, the one I, I thought you was going to say was um, Paolo Onechop. I, I don't remember the Sean Golter. I remember Paolo Onechop um, at Filbert Street, backheeling one from about six shows, facing away from the goal, and he's backheeled it and, and beat me down in the bottom corner. I can't remember the Sean Goater one. Listen, that many goals went past me. It's hard to remember them all, do you know what I mean? But he, he um, listen, Sean, Sean could score off all parts of his body. He had a, he had a tendency to, to a choke a shot and scuff it. And as you beat your hand and you look round, it had gone in that little bottom square net by the post. And he, he had an unerring knack of doing that. He was, a, he was a top striker. But I can't remember the one off his back, but I certainly remember one chop um, beating me with a back heel at Filbert Street, yeah. 